You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for joining us on the Renewed You podcast. We're here to help you discover how mental, physical, and spiritual health combine to help you live your best life. We want to give you hope, tools, and encouragement because the world needs a renewed you. Now, here's your host, John Yule. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome, everybody, to the next edition of the Renewed You Podcast. I'm your host, John Yule, and I'm so glad that you are with us today. And I have my buddy, one of my best friends in the world, Jeremy Griffin, joining us today. How are you doing, Jeremy? I am well. I'm so glad you're well, man. This is the first episode of 2022. Can you believe that? Uh, Man, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy that we're already in 2022. That's my uh, numbers, bro. A bunch of twos, man. A bunch of twos. I know you love that number. I'm I'm so stoked for February 22nd, 2022. This is going to be a party. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for being with me today, man. So glad to always hook up with you. And uh, I've got a special guest with me today. Uh, His name is Taylor Drake. How you doing, Taylor? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on. and uh, Taylor, we're going to talk about quite a few things today that I've got in my head. So, but let's start off by letting you introduce yourself to everybody and uh, tell them a little bit about you, where you're from, and your life. Sure. Hi, my name is Taylor Drake. I'm the new vice president of student engagement and success at Southwestern Christian University, uh, one of the International Pentecostal Holiness Church's universities here in uh, Oklahoma. We have another one somewhere. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm here and this is what I'm focusing on. Um, I'm a happily married man to my best friend, uh, Ashley. We've been married for coming up. It'll be eight years next year. I have three beautiful daughters, Abrielle, Amory, and Aria. Uh, we're looking forward to moving to the city. We've been in Tulsa for a bit where I was working with New Horizons Ministries, still a part of the IPHC, where I was the school of ministries director, uh, camp director, and the multimedia director. Uh, before that, I was working at Southwestern it's actually my alma mater where I received my undergrad in biblical studies uh, and then my master's of arts and theology with an emphasis in research. So I like sushi and good comic <laughs> books and I love movies and uh, I think I own every U2 album. Oh, now, now there's my jam. Is that your jam? Oh, dude, U2? U2? Are you kidding me? Have you seen uh, Sing 2 yet? The- Not yet. Okay. As somebody who loves U2 and knowing Bono plays a certain right. character, uh, I cried twice uh-oh it's it it messed with me because i know the story of some of the songs yeah and how they incorporate that into his character it's it's an it, it's not a great film but those moments just they got me in the feels all right well i'm i can't wait to watch it jeremy do you like you two are you a youtube fan uh yeah I, I don't think it's fair to call me a youtube fan because you know i know they're they're big hits and uh right. i do like everything i've heard from them um but you know i never really dove deep into them as a man uh, what i i mean when i say that you know i'm sure i've heard it all it's just you know i don't it's not my go-to but i do love them i think you two is a really good example of as christians <clears throat> being able to separate art from the artist Right, kind of a thing. I agree with and, that. and 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 having the conversation of, hey, this individual doesn't speak for all Christians, <laughs> right? <laughs> just, just that, kind, right. just that kind of thing. So I, I think that's a really good example that we admire, respect people in their craft, and then say, yeah, yeah but don't listen to them on these particular things. Oh, sure. What What is your uh, Jeremy? Let's start with you. What is your favorite YouTube track? <sighs> I mean, you know, I hate to be that guy, but you know. 
I'm not even going to say it because you guys know it. Just say it. What? I say don't it. know. With or without you. Ah, that's a it's good a one. It's a good one. That's a good one. It's a, here's the thing, man. It's like timeless. I mean, it's timeless. If you played it right now, if if it was released right now, it would sound like a modern song. I mean, it's it just, would for sure. And the in fact, as a, my worship world has heavily been revolved around the idea of using delays in time, mm-hmm. which is something that you two really oh did yeah like you, crazy. yeah you and look at the you look at the edge. And how his right. his guitaring, he completely changed how like Hillsong and and others sure. did praise and worship. Whatever the Edge started doing, praise and worship team started doing. Um, mm-hmm. ab- absolutely, there's no doubt. What about yours? What's your one of your favorite tracks? So I got three favorite tracks. All right, good. Actually, uh, here we go. City of Blinding Lights from uh, How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb, mm-hmm. which I think is one of their underrated albums. I I love it. Um, as cliche as it is, I still haven't found what I'm looking for from the Joshua Tree. But that is one of my favorite on, albums. But it's the live version with the gospel choir singing at, at a big bowl concert. That was yeah. that was that was exceptional. I loved it. Um, and um, uh, oh my gosh, my mind just went blank. Wait, wait, no, wait a second. That's not a song. That's not a song. Sorry. Um, stuck in a moment. Yeah, that's a great one too. It's so so good. But I will say that At Chung Baby is their best album. Well, well, I think with all those, it's. It, I think that's up to debate. Oh, I like absolutely. them because they're all a little bit different. Yeah, U two is the Steve Martin of music because you constantly have to reinvent yourself to stay relevant and to stay in the limelight. And I think Steve Martin is probably the best comedian that constantly changes and adapts to changes in media yeah. and culture. Uh, I I think U two and and Steve Martin are the pinnacle of how to change and stay relevant, but still just still be you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, everyone knows a U2 song sure. and everyone knows a good Steve Martin comedy outlet. So I, that, that, that's how I compare them. I think my favorite one that's not widely popular, um, is grace. Oh yeah. I love how mm-hmm. that they take the concept, the biblical concept of grace, tie it to a girl and just do a great expose on the power of grace. That's a, all that you can't leave behind yes. right? The album. Okay. That was the album that saved them. Because they, they were doing really well and then critically did not have some good albums. And that was the album that I'm convinced that if they would not have released, they, mm-hmm. they would have they would have gone away. Well, I'm I'm glad they did. It's that is probably one of my favorite ones that's not widely popular that, yeah. that not a lot of people have listened to. So pull it up on Spotify and give a listen to Grace. Simple song, just yep. acoustic guitar and bono, but they do a great job of that. Um for sure. You mentioned still haven't found what I'm looking for. Yep. Um, here's another thing that's debatable. Um, I think of for my generation from the nineties, I think that's the theme of our generation. I think for some people for like the previous generation, you know, they, I know, uh, cheers was a big one. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to go where everybody knows your name, Yep. but I look at our generation and I think we seem to be, and even the one currently now, we seem to be trying all these other things Mm -hmm. to find happiness, find peace, whatever. Yep. And, I think that a lot of people still haven't found it. Um, the VH1 did like a top 90s songs mm-hmm. uh, of, of, and you got like Nirvana, like Smells Like Teen Spirit. The, to me, I'm like that, that's the pinnacle of good 90s music as well. Um, but one, the U2 song one was actually ranked higher hmm. uh, on, on that list. And I, I would, I would agree with that. One love, one like this, yeah. this idea of like, we want this oneness, we want the unity, um, but how do we still maintain that individuality? Yeah, and I, I I think that's a very powerful song. I appreciate you two because their songs 
our dissertations uh, in terms of lyricism, of composition, of poetry. But I don't know if I agree with every U2 song, but sure. at least I know what every U2 song is about right. just based on, on the lyrics and the content. So I, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I do too. Um, how did we get on this topic? Because you said you too, and I went with it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I got to see them live when they came uh, to, to, to the OU stadium. Did you go to the one in Norman? Yeah, 360. Oh, yeah. Oh, I wanted to go goodness. to that one. I had to watch it online. Okay. I watched it on YouTube. Here you go. Jeremy, you'll appreciate this. I was not a YouTube fan until I went to the concert, and then I became a YouTube fan. Why going to the concert? It was an experience. Yeah. It, th there was this spiritual atmosphere from the from the craft, just engaging with the audience, getting everybody to sing, uh, production design of the set and the lights, and just it was it was this. I I don't know how else to explain it other than this amazing um, sonic audio visual experience. Um, and then he started singing "Amazing Grace," and, oh, people, yeah. and people raised their hands and started singing with it. And I'm like, whether they realize it or not, mm -hmm. here's what's up. It was just an incredible experience. But that that was when I became a U2 fan. Uh, was when I went to the concert and experienced it for the first time. Um, but I didn't realize that's actually a shared um, phenomenology of not liking something. And then seeing other people love that thing causes you to love yeah. it. Donald Miller does that with his book, Blue Like Jazz, where he says he hated jazz. Right. And then he watched a guy play jazz for an hour and he saw the love that he had for it. And mm. then you take that to our, as Christians, people should see our love for God and love for our neighbor and go, oh, I, I want that, you know, yeah. kind of a thing. So just the whole phenomenology behind that, I, I thought it was fascinating. Is there any other secular, uh, what we would consider secular song, Jeremy, that that uh, you think has a great kind of theological um, construct to it that, that you think is kind of cool to listen to? Off the top of my head, I, I don't really think of anything. I listen to a lot of secular music um, and a lot of different styles. Um, mm -hmm. I think <clears throat> I think that something that um, we kind of already touched on a little bit here, uh, just in this idea of you know, separating the art from the Christian. And yeah. one of the things I used to think is it's got to be, and this is when I was a kid, I thought, man, <laughs> Christian music is so hard to write because it can only be about Jesus. And <laughs> <Right>? our, <laughs> you know, it's like, there's only one subject you can talk about. And, yep. and it's like, how many different ways can you say the same thing, especially in English? So then we start doing songs in Spanish and we double our <laughs> repertoire. And so it's like, you know, and, and, and processing so that, it's it's fresh you know it was frustrating for me because i'm like you know what i mean maybe i didn't write a song about driving in a car it was demonized <laughs> it's like he right. doesn't write christian music anymore like i remember you know and and i won't get into the depth of this and where it stands today but when amy grant came out with uh whatever oh, the baby yes. baby song yeah it's like the whole world fell apart around her yeah, people and, lost and they, their minds right because it didn't it wasn't el shaddai and all of a sudden you're like well okay well, it's, but it's i don't like, hear anything wrong with this song you know right. and like when steven uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman, whenever he came out with his album that was directly like love songs to his wife, mm -hmm. I, I remember there was a song, right. 11664, which, and he was like, you took your first breath. And on that day I played harder and I'm sure the sunset was more mm -hmm. beautiful. And as a Christian, we're like, that that's a good love song. Um, right. So you mentioned earlier, just the idea of distinguishing secular music from Christian music. Mm -hmm. And as a Christian, I'm like, no, it's just music. It is just, just music. music. Yeah. yeah. Like, exactly. I, I think, I think it was, um, 
Francis Schaeffer, who said uh, in the Bible, there are no religious events. There are historical right. events with religious significance. And as a mm -hmm. Christian, I approach, that's kind of the same philosophy when it comes to music, right? I look at Eminem and oh my goodness, can he write a song? Right? right, like just astounding lyrics. Yeah. Do I like the lyrics? Do I agree with them? No, but we're able to recognize the craft. Right. But you look at scripture. Well, and the authenticity. I, I think that's the thing that really, mm. to me, garners a lot of respect is that when a person is authentic, I don't, your experience is your experience. How do I invalidate it? Because theologically, I disagree with what you just said. Right. I mean, Matt Redman writes songs all the time, worship songs, but he writes them from an Old Testament perspective. Um, mm -hmm. So many popular songs people don't even realize come straight out of Job. And it's like... You, you see the criticism of using these songs in worship because we're in a new covenant. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, gosh, get over yourself, guys. This is a guy's heart, all right? right. I don't, I've written a handful of songs in my life and the last thing I was thinking about when I was writing it is, should I have this feeling? Is it valid? No, dude, it's valid because I have the feeling. Yeah, It may not be truth, but right. it's valid. And, and, and you're getting to a point that I think that a lot more people need to distinguish is that there's a difference between a Christian song, quote unquote Christian song, uh, and a mm -hmm. congregational song. So there are right, some sure. songs that congregations sing that I think those are good songs to sing in the car, but not for coming from the pulpit. So songs like um, uh, How He Loves or even Reckless mm -hmm. Love, which are good songs, but I would not... I, if I was a worship leader or a pastor, my statement would be, hey, I don't want these songs coming from the pulpit, not because they're bad, they're just not congregational, in, in my mm -hmm. opinion. So mm -hmm. being able to distinguish, you know, like poetry um, that Christians have been writing for, for years and centuries, like it's beautiful, mm -hmm. but we don't need to be singing this from, from the pulpit or, or, or from the stage. So I, I, to me, that makes the most sense of saying, no, 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 we, we celebrate art, I, I, we need Christian poets. We need Christians who are poets, I think is the better way of saying it. We need Christians who are musicians. We need Christians who are whatever, you fill in the blank, but also recognizing that a church service is supposed to meet a certain thing and it's supposed to accomplish a certain thing. Which well, is all 100% Western culture. It's yep. obviously not biblical culture. E exactly. And I think that's, exactly. you know, that's the a real interesting thing in and of itself is that we've established in the, in the church environment, we've established a, this is how it goes. This right. is how we do, right. which is not based on anything necessarily that, and not, not anything. Right. No, I, <laughs> I, I get what you're so saying. So much, you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> Isn't based at all in what yeah. Christ, Christ's message yeah. was. And I don't want, and I don't want you to hear what, what I'm not saying. I'm not saying, Oh, stick to the program. I'm saying, right. Right. Churches for discipleship. It's for evangelism. It's it equipping. is for the gospel sure. going out. Right. So that should happen. However that looks, whatever. Ch different right. churches should be different. And, yeah, that, well, and, exactly, and that's okay. Sure. Exactly. And that's the, here's okay. The, here, here's the, from my perspective, the sin of it all is how few churches are equipping. Yeah. Um, it, doing its primary job, which is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, which includes evangelism, includes uh, outreach, the sharing of the gospel, teaching people is a pretty primary mm -hmm. thing there. We don't do are that you, very are well. Are you sure? I just thought I just I thought it was for pastors to sell their books and to make a brand around themselves because to be perfectly honest, the cross is not attractive. Sure, right. It, what the, the, the what cross, are we selling? Exactly. Uh, dude, how many times have I heard this idea? I, I actually heard a guy say this. If we were selling Jesus they would return him within the first two days. And they because, should, because Jesus right. is not a consumer product. What we, 
Right, exactly. We get in there and we try to sell this thing. This is what I tell people. Um, well, one, I'm not, I don't find myself in an evangelist, evangelistic capacity that often where I'm talking to somebody who doesn't right. know Jesus or at least hasn't heard the gospel. But even in that, the first thing I'm going to tell them is, um, yeah, you're signing up for war. Like yeah, what exactly. part of war is glamorous? Yep. <laughs> well, know? even, even, even going, even going a step beyond the gospel is always countercultural but it right. almost sounds like the culture, right? So right. right now you have a movement that's saying, no, 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 no. Um, we do not need to make hard and fast distinctions between gender. To which I <laughs> respond, there is some truth in that, of course. When we say gender though, we're talking about cultural expectations of sexes, right? Mm -hmm. Sex is gonna be with anatomy, uh, physiognomy, all, all those kinds of things. Sure, I get that. Gender, okay, that's more of a cultural thing totally understand but doesn't the but doesn't paul write that he's like in christ there's neither male nor female uh, a gentile or jew a uh, slave or master yes and the culture almost sounds like the gospel but mm. then they go too far and they're saying no no mm -hmm. that's for you to determine and we're like no back back it up no no now you've right. gone too far there's a youtube channel called lutheran satire and they have this really funny bit where it's like um a feminist and a christian almost agree and the feminist says to the Christian, the porn industry objectifies women, it demoralizes them and treats them as objects. And the Christian says, you're right. So what we need to do, and the feminist cuts him off and says, is take control of that industry and make more content that empowers women and, right. and puts them in a seat of authority and makes men submissive. And the Christian goes, so close. <laughs> like, no, yeah. we, we need to destroy the industry and get these women and men out of that. Mm -hmm. So the gospel almost sounds like the culture, except the gospel points to Christ as the thing that changes, not not us. We are changed by Christ as opposed to some weird evolutionary byproduct of some moral system that's going to be better for the culture. It's like, no, that, that, that right. that's not true. Well, Systems well, reflect like the people who create them. Yes, and, and Satan is all about counterfeit. He wanted yep. to be God, so he, there's a counterfeit. And, and in the term terms of counterfeit, it has to be like something because you're trying to trick somebody into believing what they're right. getting is the real thing, right. but it's counterfeit. So every single thing we ever encounter is going to always reflect very closely to God's perfection, to God's yeah. plan, because everything is counterfeit. It's going to look like it. And we just have to, For sure. you know, to go, go through the uh, cashier training to be able to mark that bill and know what's what. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. Well, I think music, what I, what I think we've got to, some people have to remember is, and I'm, I've been raised in the church, obviously, but my views on music are probably not, um, not the mainstream. Um, I think that, I think music in its essence is the same as money it's amoral it's all what you do with it yeah i would i would agree and completely with so that. if we zoom out and take that view of it um tell me how beethoven is sacred or secular see i was gonna say that because i always got caught up whenever we would go on youth trips and this is no reflection on the youth sponsors mm -hmm. who are doing their best so don't hear what i'm not saying but it was always strange when they would say, okay, only Christian music. And they would say, what are you listening right. to? And I'm like, the music to the last of the Mohicans, because Trevor Jones is an amazing composer. Mm -hmm. And they would say, well, that's not Christian. And I'm like, Christian. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? Right. There's no lyrics. There are Christian lyrics, or at least I should say that there are lyrics that point people towards God and there are lyrics that point them to wherever. I'm like, but that's a weird concept. But then I was also listening to like the Carpenters. Mm-hmm. 
And they're like, well, you know, that's not Christian. And I was like, it's about a wedding day. We've only just begun. Like, like how's that anti-God? So I found that the legalistic ideology between separating Christian from everything else really has to do with language. There's no doubt. More than anything else, it has to do with how we talk about what we talk about. Because we look at the world and we say it's full of sin. And the world says, not sin, bad behavior, that's not good for the species. Right. And so we, we talk about things differently. It's actually the big problem between um, conversations between Republicans, Democrats and others. It's just a different language. We're all talking about the same thing in a different language. But mm-hmm. I don't like when the church, I don't like when I, I should say Christian institutions sound like secular institutions. I don't even like saying secular institutions because yeah, I don't either. the point. Right. I, I don't what I disagree. What I have a hard time with is people that aren't able to zoom out and see God in everything. Mm. Like, for example, um, we've talked about you too. Yep. Um, and um, another group that I, I really enjoy their music because I, it, it is, I believe music is a soundtrack of our life. And just like um, back when we had CDs, <laughs> you oh, know, man. and you had tracks, the tracks. Whoa, buddy. I know, I know, I know. But the tracks change based on what has happened in your life and mm-hmm. where you're going. Yeah. So the music of your life for one season may not be the music of your life for another season. So there's a journey to it. Uh, Creed is is a fan. I love their music because mm-hmm. it was the journey of Scott Tapp as, yep. as he was coming from a religious background, then he plummets and then he's trying to find his way back. Right. And <laughs> I was, I, if, if it wasn't you, it was going to be me. Hey man. <laughs> but between that and Pearl Jim, right? <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> but just if we could just let music be music and realize that it's it's what you do with it, first of all, it right. is a powerful medium. Yep. It is a powerful medium for expressing emotion, which mm-hmm. you can do without without words, which is why I love uh, some of the classical stuff. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. I like jazz because it shows you the creativity of someone. Yeah. Um, and just their talent is so on display uh, with jazz. And in all of those things, if we will allow, God can speak to all of us if we'll allow him and if we can see it. Yeah, and I think I think making a point that we don't get to dictate how God communicates, <laughs> right? Like, how, how, like, no. like I, I, I'm an apologist and things mm-hmm. that I encourage people to do is go take a walk mm-hmm. and just observe. Exactly. Just go outside, walk through nature, walk through creation, and just kind of look around. Um, I go on walks with my daughters um, as often as I can. And we have a nature park by our house and we will go and I'll say, all right, for the next 30 seconds, we're just going to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I want to hyper-spiritualize something and like, did God speak to you? But just, hey, observe. And my kids will be like, oh, I heard birds singing. Birds don't sing. They communicate. Mm-hmm. But they're communicating in a way that God designed them to. Right. And they, I get to have that conversation with, with my daughters now. Like, this is how it's supposed to be. This is how it was created. This is how God intended things. But we also know that the world is messed up. There's decay. There's death. There's rot happening on the tree that fell over. So we get to experience God in an unlimited capacity. But that's the key. Yes. In, is From this standpoint, is that we, if we're not careful through a religious angle, Mm-hmm we narrow what should be a very, very wide freeway right. down to one lane that God can only speak to you this way. Um, you have to be in this lane to, to hear from God instead of, or, and I think we forget that God, the first thing we know about God is he's a creative God. Yeah. And so anything that is creative 
in one sense or another is humanity trying to live out that ideal some people don't get it yeah you know they create the wrong thing but but yet they're still we're in that avenue of creating um of expressing that and i think that god should sure. speak to us in all of those things jeremy what do you think about that well first thing i gotta say is i love your analogy about the one lane because it, it exploded out in my brain as you said it mostly because i just drove up i-35 back and forth this weekend and uh down to austin so a, horrible a lot of experience. one lane <laughs> <laughs> right. um but it, you know one of the things is this, if, if you're limiting to where you're hearing God um, and it's you're in that one lane, you're still going to get where you're going, but a couple things are going to happen. One, you're going to be really annoyed uh, a lot and frustrated. And two, you're going to be there later than you would otherwise be if those lanes were all open and you could hear. And I think the thing is, you know, I love uh, what you're doing there because uh, Taylor, I mean, like that's, I've got a notebook full of exactly that mm. observing and writing down what I see and, and asking God, what are you trying to tell me through this? What are you yeah. speaking to me? And, <clears throat> you know, when you start, you know, my, my belief is that when God spoke, it, it, it's perpetual. Sound doesn't go away in a vacuum. Right. Um, it just goes forever. And, and that reverberation of when God said, let there be light is still happening around us all the time. Yeah. Exactly. I, I love and, how, I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say in that, that means that I don't have to ask God to tell me something. He's told me something. <laughs> I have to listen to what he said. And so when I take my second and I stop and I go, okay, what are you saying to me? God's like, ah, oh, yes, he can hear. <laughs> and, and so all of a sudden it's like, okay, okay, why are you paying attention? Blah, blah, blah. And he just explodes out because right. we so rarely take the time to stop and listen. Absolutely. Um, Harold Best wrote an amazing book um, on, the, on the placement of art in Protestant worship because we're really mm. bad at that. Um, it's something that the Catholics and the Eastern Orthodox Church were, are just exceptional at, and that is the inclusion of the arts into mm -hmm. worship and what that means, that to make paintings, to make icons, to write prayers is an mm. art, and it glorifies God, which, which I think is, I, I agree with that completely. But in his book, Unceasing Worship, and if there's anybody listening who wants to really have a good understanding of a Christian perspective of art, it's unceasing worship. In the very first chapter, Harold Best says, "It's we can't say that we were made worshiping because the idea is that we can turn it off. Mm -hmm. And we also can't say that we were made um, to worship because that would imply that God needs us for his own self-recognition. Mm -hmm. Um, but rather we are made worshipers that we are always at all times worshiping right. something, whatever it is. And the best way to figure out what it is that you're worshiping is to ask yourself what is important and what you value um, and what you get emotional about. And mm -hmm. that's going to be a really clear indicator of what sits on the throne of your heart. And I, I like that because his explanation is that because God is creative, we are made in his image. We are creators. We cannot help but create. And we do this primarily through storytelling. First and foremost, we tell stories. We are a narrative people. In fact, look at the Bible. What is it? It's a narrative of God's interaction, not only with mm -hmm. his people, but his plan for those who are not his people, primarily his enemies, not because God is making enemies, but because people make themselves enemies and God still loves and cares for them. Um, and and that, that's a soapbox I'll, 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 I'll deal with later on. But it, it reminds me of how G.K. Chesterton ends a chapter 
in his book Orthodoxy. And he's great book, by the way. You read it, read it, love it, read it every year. It's on, it's in my twelve books that I read every year. It's Just one book. of them's Orthodoxy. Um, the other one, another one's like The Hobbit by Tolkien, but that's that's a different thing. Um, <laughs> but Chesterton, uh, he says that whenever we're asked the question of how old is God, the answer is younger than us. And I thought that was a really interesting response. He says, God is young, God, our father is younger than us. And we can tell this because he never ages. He never grows. He never matures. He never learns from his mistakes because he's not making any. So God doesn't age. And that's why he has, and I, this is the quote, he has the eternal appetite of infancy. Whereas a child will look to their parent and say again, again, again. And the parent is like, I can't do it anymore. God looks at the creation he has made. And yes, he has spun it into motion. And yes, he has ordered it in under laws and principles and, and all those kinds of things. He also is uniquely and intimately involved. So every child that is born, every flower that blooms, every sunrise and sunset is not this weird disembodied mechanism that's happening, but it's God saying, again, 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 because God never tires of his creation in his creativity that he designed for us to share with him in that creative mm. process. I love that. I, I, I remember reading that chapter as a college student and God, in as much as he can, made sense to me as a person, as, yeah. as a being. So I, I, I love That's where awesome. this conversation's going. Well, as far as yeah. God making sense, um, I think I want us to to kind of, in a sense, um, dumb it down. All right. Um, Taylor, you love theology. I do. I love theology. Jeremy likes theology. <laughs> no, hey, no, no. Wow. Does, hey, what does no, the underside of that bus no, look no, like? No, 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 Man, no, no. I'll no. tell you what. <laughs> no. no, in in a very honest sense, if if you are listening today, first of all, and you are a Christ follower, um, you should be a theologian. All Christians are theologians. Because theology is simply the study of God. So everybody should be learning about your creator and your father. If you're if you're listening today and, and maybe you're on the journey and you're on the road and you haven't quite made that decision and maybe you just, you hear us talking about hearing God uh, through nature or even in music, I want you to pay attention for the next few minutes. And I think... I want to show you how that God can speak to you through a medium that almost everybody experiences. And I know that Taylor, this is important to you. It's important to me. And I know Jeremy loves this. So when we think about, um, we are creative beings and all the ways that, that we create things and express ideas and how that God can use those, uh, to, to inspire or speak to people. Um, I want to throw a few out. Let's talk about this one first. Let's talk about books, just oh. authors. Like you already mentioned oh, Tolkien. I love reading. I know you do. I so do I. I have a problem. Oh, my wife is, my wife loves the fact that I've got an iPad now because it's less books all over the house. But see, I have a Kindle and I still have more books in my <laughs> house. I, I love the feel, the smell and the words. Ah, I love it. I, I love it. Not everybody likes to read, but, true. um, what before we jump to the next one what is uh, a couple of books that really has uh, been important to you in your your journey sure so definitely gk chesterton's orthodoxy mm -hmm. it, it helped me better understand christianity from the creative sense um because it's really easy to say here's the history and it's really easy to say here's the theology but my imagination was never fully engaged mm -hmm. and orthodoxy 
imaginatively help me better understand my faith and the God I, I love. Mm -hmm. uh, so definitely that one. A second one um, would be um, William Lane Craig. Uh, he's a Christian apologist and apologetics is simply defending the faith when people attack right. it or have questions, just giving an explanation, whether they like the explanation or not. Here's the answer to the question. I, I'm, I teach apologetics. Here's how I define apolo apologetics so that people can get it. Gotcha. It's knowing why you believe what you believe. Yeah. And that, there are yeah. so many Christians that are people that are Christ followers. They don't even know why they believe something. Right. And I think that's where, like Jeremy was saying, we've got to get back to educating, not just educating, but building people up. For sure. And so that's the value of, of apologetics. It's simply, why do you believe, knowing why you believe what you believe. Right. And the term apologia, um, mm -hmm. which is what's the Greek is, the Greek word is apologia. It's in First uh, uh, Peter 3.15, I believe, maybe Second Peter. My mind's fuzzy. I apologize. Um, it, it's a courtroom term. It means to tell the truth about what you know to be true. And it also leads into the word mart martyrus, which is where we get our word martyr, martyr. from. Uh, martyrus doesn't mean to die for your faith. Uh, it means uh, to know. It means to tell the truth about what you know to be true. That's it. So if you die for your faith, you're, you're telling, you're telling the truth. That's it. So all Christians should be martyrs mm -hmm. in the fact that they are telling the truth of what they know to be true. Um, so William Lane Craig, he has a book called On Guard. It's a it's a easier, more accessible version of his dissertation, Reasonable Faith. Mm -hmm. And it's intentionally designed for lay people um, who may not have that academic background in, in theology. So, sure. so definitely that. Um, another book, and this may surprise some people um, for, for me, um, it's actually a book of poetry. It's Felicity by um, Mary Oliver, who is a Presbyterian, uh, sorry, a, an Episcopal, Episcopal? Ah, see, now I'm questioning. It's great poetry. And um, she has a poem called Don't Worry, and I'm going to recite it for you now because it's four lines. <laughs> Here it is. Don't Worry by Mary Oliver. Things take the time they take. Don't worry. How many roads did St. Augustine go down before he became St. Augustine? And that's it. That's the whole poem. <laughs> and I love that poem because you sit there and you go, oh, that's really good. Oh, so I really dig into poetry, Christian or not. I I, I get into poetry uh, as much as I can. Jeremy, any books inspire you in your journey? Uh, before I yeah, tell some, yeah, I uh, Crazy Love, Francis Chan, fantastic um, book. It's okay. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. sorry. <laughs> it's good. It's good. I like Francis um, Chan. Yeah, I I like Francis Chan's. Um, what's the right word to use here? I guess we'll just say his mentality, um, his approach is, mm. uh, he sees things differently than the average bear. Um, so that one's good. I think wild at heart by John Eldridge is a great book for men to read. Mm -hmm. Um, and a great, actually a great book for women to read. Um, I think, I think people, men. I think people misunderstand wild at heart. Cause I remember hearing a lot of criticism about it mm. from people who hadn't read it. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. it's definitely in the eat the meat, spit out the bones, but yeah. I, I, I appreciate what he's doing. What do yeah. you think Jeremy in that book is so controversial? Oh, I don't really know. I, I, I mean, I really don't know. It's been a long time since I've read it, but I can tell you what my takeaway was more than anything. And that is, um, that we are part of an epic story and that's not ours. It's his, it's it God's story. And so recognizing that man, you know, we default to, to like all the stories told, you mentioned reading the Hobbit every year, you know, I mean, these are stories that are built around. I mean, there's a common thread is there's heroes and there's 
battles and all of this drama, big stuff that happens. And, and men want that in their lives, not the drama, the big right. battles. The, and so um, it's in our nature. It's the stories we tell. And when man can understand that the story is not about him, but it's about God and our, we are just these characters in it. It just really helped me anyway, address, you know, pride issues and things like that. Again, I don't even have a clue if that's what he meant, but this goes back to hearing God's voice. I mean, if I am going to consume content created by other people who are after God's heart, God's going to talk to me through that in ways that author never intended. And <laughs> I could probably say to the author, this is what I got out of it. And they'd look at me like, what? And a great example, you know, this wedding where, you know, I first met you, Taylor, the song that was played for the bride to walk down the aisle was a worship song I wrote years ago. I never thought it was going to be used to walk down the aisle. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? That was not my intent. When I wrote the song, it was all about my lack of of honoring God in worship. That's what the song was about. Mm. And and then I saw I saw how she, the bride in this case, how she interpreted that for her own life. And I'm right. like, man, that's just the coolest thing ever to think that that's a reality. So for sure. But, I love that. But that is I think the beauty of art is because right. it it is individual in its in its interpretation. I've I've met two artists that paint paintings. Um, in completely different styles. Um, but both of them have, have said this to me in common when I've asked them, well, what, what does that mean? Their reply is, well, what does it mean to you? Right. Because it's not really about what it means to them. They're, they're looking for, how does this move someone? Sure. What do, what do they see in that? And I think that's where literature is so good. Let me give you a few of mine. Uh, I agree, Jeremy, uh, Francis Chan. Oh, go, go. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's, well, it was already mentioned. Blue like jazz. Oh yeah, it was great. Oh, that yeah. book. Letters to the Church by Francis Chan is is a great one. Um, uh, then some some ones that maybe some people wouldn't think of. Uh, Jack London, Call the Wild. Boo! Um, Get that atheist crap out of here. I we can't read that. He's such a natural. It's a good book. Sorry. I remember. That's a, that's a joke. Sorry. <laughs> I remember one of one of my. Uh, one of my classes we had to write about what we had to write a paper about what was he saying within that book mm. and it was fascinating um because it, it's an allegory and so yep. and then the follow-up to that would be white Fang, white fang which would be the reverse mm -hmm. um, both of those are, are great books and then of course anything i was hugely impacted by both c.s lewis and tolkien yeah um any of anything by those guys um lewis if you if you want to think Go read C.S. Lewis. Lewis was able to take things that I was thinking and put them into words. Yeah. That's what I appreciate about Lewis. He was he was the everyman's theologian, mm -hmm. right? I was like, I get it. Yep. I appreciate that. And Tolkien was just his, the way that he was able to take the story of redemption and uh, tie it into a mythical land yep. um, was just, was just fascinating. Um, so books, you know, poetry, whatever. Uh, let's talk about another one. Movies. Oh, don't get me started. I thought for the longest time my calling was to be a director. Why? I loved film. I loved everything that went into it from the costuming to the editing and the pacing and the music and the sound that a good film, everything points to an idea, mm -hmm. what, whatever it is. Francis Ford Coppola is famous for taking his films and 
and um, diluting it down to one word. So like Godfather, everyone's like, oh, it's family. It's like, nope, it's succession. Mm -hmm. It's about what comes next. You could you could argue legacy, yeah. right? So, which is the word I would have used? Absolutely, absolutely. But the idea that a good film, everything points to the truth, or mm -hmm. whatever the film is trying to convince you of, um, because make no mistake, there's no such thing as mindless entertainment. Right. There is no such thing as mindless from from Adventure Time on Cartoon Network to Blue's Clues to Sesame Street all the way up to The Matrix and Real Housewives of wherever they're doing it now. Everything is trying to fight for your attention and to entertain you. But the very definition of entertainment is to get you to consider. Mm -hmm. That's it. So there's no such thing as mindless entertainment. So when it comes to film, I was fascinated at the intentionality behind them and it wasn't until the paul thomas anderson film there will be blood which is about greed and envy and from an from an oil oil tycoon brilliantly played by daniel day lewis that i realized oh my gosh that's a film mm -hmm. everything just works it, it's 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 that near perfect film yeah so so can let's let's talk about how we can how god can use film to express you know theological concepts or point people to him. I got one for you that might be surprising. Jeremy, you, you might like this. I think horror films are some of the best ways to point people towards the existence of good and evil. Okay, now you and Jeremy can talk about this because me and horror movies don't go together. No, that's fine. That's fine. So immediately <laughs> comes to my mind is the film The Conjuring. Yeah, I haven't Wait, seen it. Okay, so it's a phenomenal film based on true story, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the film, it concludes with a quote from the actual person, the actual exorcist, the non-Catholic exorcist recognized by the Catholic church. And it says, there is a God and there is a devil and you have to decide in this life who you side with. Yeah. And then the film ends. Mm -hmm. um, I think of films like Event Horizon, which gives this weird scientific depiction of hell and that people now get to have that conversation. I think of the first Saw film, which I'm not a fan of the later Saw films, but the first Saw film were evil people being given opportunities to lay down their life for other evil people. That's Ecclesiastes. That is a fascinating of judgment coming on the just and the unjust. So I think horror elements address fears, sinful, innate human fears that can help point people towards God in a way that a lot of other mediums can't. Now, am I saying go out and watch horror films? No, that's, no that is not what I'm saying because there are some people who can't watch The Exorcist. Sure. I love The Exorcist, but there are some people who they can't handle that for right. whatever reason. So don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying get over yourself right. and go watch these things. I'm saying there are people out there who are going to watch that and then they're going to have questions right. and then you're going to be able to point them to Christ. So I would definitely say, Good. for instance, the horror genre has a great opportunity for those kinds of conversations. All right. What about you, Jeremy? Any movies stand out in your mind that... Uh yeah, but you know, with me, man, it's always uh, temporal. It's where I'm at right now. So um, two, two things. One, I, I love uh, Dr. Strange's story because it speaks to identity and, yes. and people getting their their value from what they do versus who they are and and so I think there's a great deep spiritual meaning in that movie um, but ones that are really just exciting me late, lately and they're older movies I, I bought them both the other day and watched them The Boondock Saints um, the first one and the second one. Oh my gosh dude yes and shepherds <laughs> and, we shall be for thee my lord yes. for thee and river and, and flows he, oh man come so, on so he knows it he knows it what stands so out he, to you from those jeremy 
Well, the reason that one means a lot to me is because I am, um, I, I'm a, for lack of a better term, I'm a warrior. <laughs> and so when I, when I think about, um, when I think about that film, so many people have a tendency to, let's back up. So I had a conversation the other day with somebody, um, and the, characters of christ uh the, the character of christ that's reflected and talked about all the time is peace love and grooviness right it's right. uh it's all and, and and i see that but i also see that christ is balanced there's righteous indignation he he dealt with the pharisees harshly he dealt with the money changers in the temple harshly and in the old testament um god used people to take care of things that were evil right um he sent Israel to war against other nations. Well, in this particular movie, these brothers, Irish as they are, stand up for justice and they, they have, um, uh, they feel a, they have a dream basically. And and they, it's a shared dream and they both wake up and they start basically eliminating uh, evil people. And they, have their rules and at the end you know right before they eliminate the evil person they they say the prayer that uh taylor just said yeah (laughs) and and so i think for me i'm like yeah see this is the whole point it's like this there's there's always balance you know i've heard people argue that that there is no balance it's not like there's a balance between good and evil it's like all it should be all god and i'm like yeah right but there's balance (laughs) within our process right i mean there's if you didn't have balance you couldn't walk <laughs> I mean, right yeah it's, if you it's just not had, it's not like the yin and yang like you have to have right. Batman to have joker or you have to have joker to bat. that's not what we're talking about we're just no, talking it's like yeah. meat and vegetables exactly yeah <laughs> right a balanced meal yeah not not and not, so, not an anyway, eastern just, kind of thing exactly but i do um so that movie just i don't know man i really enjoyed that and uh you know there's it's it's like john wick uh if he were a old school uh christian warrior yeah <laughs> and and there was two of them we're on a mission from god it's like it, it's, 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 it's the blues, it's the brothers. blues brothers the blues brothers <laughs> with a little less heresy although to exactly. be fair we're also not encouraging people to go out and be vigilantes no, but, but I, if I were encouraging them, I'd encourage them, but I wouldn't be encouraging them on this podcast. That's for sure. But if I were encouraging them, I would encourage them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> any others, <laughs> any others besides boondock saints? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's funny cause a lot of times I, I'll watch something and like Lori and I'll be watching something and I'll just pause it and I'll go, Oh my gosh, do you, do you realize what just was said here? Mm -hmm. And it's, and it can be a, I mean, it could be an episode of the office. I mean, it doesn't really matter what it is. It's like this moment of, of clarity and it extrapolates out. And I'm like, this is the most eternal truth that has ever been said. (laughs) And it was said by Michael Scott to Dwight Schrute. And I don't understand it, (laughs) but it's, it's amazing to me. And I I think it goes back to what we've talked about this whole time that when you are listening all the time, you're, you're efforting, and really what you said, Taylor, when, because we are worshipers, we are mm-hmm. worshiping something. When you're worshiping God, then you see him in all these things. You hear him, you see him, you, and then you ultimately reflect him. Yeah, the idea of his, in his hiddenness, he's revealed. Exactly. Yeah. Not, not if, you're, if you want to look for God, right. you will find him. You'll find him. It's not like yeah. he makes it hard. Absolutely. It, it, but because it, it's less people don't want there to be a God. So they close their eyes to him. Mm-hmm. It, I think the best example was people who aren't Christians, aren't stupid. They're blind. Yeah. 
that that that's the best explanation because we can both be looking at the same piece of art and I can mm -hmm. say, wow, creative because God is creative. And another person can say, oh, they've mastered art and composition and the, mm -hmm. and the color. And I can recognize that too. I just go beyond that. Sure. Mm -hmm. what, what about you? Well, Doug? and even in the, in the layman's sense though, something that's happened recently online, you remember is the dress blue and black or is it white and gold? Right. Yeah. So like, I don't see color. <laughs> yeah, clearly. So, but, but that reality that you had people who absolutely would go to bat, right? I mean, like yeah. the dress is this color and those are pretty distinct differences. They are. And but, I, I don't, I feel like I saw white and gold. I don't remember now, but, but it doesn't really matter. Eventually I was able to kick my brain over and it was like, oh, okay. I kind of see what they're talking about. Yeah. But the whole point of that is, is that it's not a, an abstract concept that we see things differently. It's not intentional. It's not even willful. It just is. So right. how do we respond in that? Right? For sure. And I think anyway. that you're getting onto the idea of, of, of subjectively mm. experiencing objective things. That's exactly right. And, and, yes. he, and here's the point. A lot of people will argue for relativism or yeah. speak my truth. I hate that phrase. Yeah. Um, right. and, and they say, well, think about the blind men who were feeling the elephant and they had all these different things. I'm like, yeah, but the elephant was there. Yeah. Like it was an actual the elephant. People right. The were, objectivity exactly. is that it was there. Exactly. Right. So people were wrong yeah. in how they interpreted, not their experience. That, that's right. not what we're talking about. We're talking about making sense of the experience, making right. mm -hmm. sense of the ob of the subjective um, means by which we try to make sense of everything. And it's okay for us to be wrong in how we interpret things. Yeah. So, John, movies. Um, okay, one of them i i get I get in so much hot water with with uh, certain people. I thought you were going to say Christians. Uh, well, yeah, just certain people. <laughs> um, uh, Bruce Almighty. I like uh, Bruce Almighty because I'm honest enough to say if I got God's powers, well, I would do this. I would probably venture down the, some of the roads yep. that he went down. Sure. And I think it is a fantastic uh, movie that, that deals with the idea of why it's great that we don't, mm -hmm. why it's great that we are not God. It's a cautionary tale. It really, really is. And um, I just, I don't know. I like that one. I think it's hilarious, but I think it's got a lot of thought. Um, and then one I want us to talk about just for a minute, because I know we've all seen it. Um, and it's the classic one. This isn't, you know, some amazing uh, out-of-the-box thought. But the Prince of Egypt. No, The Matrix. If there is any movie that Close. I have pulled more things out of and used um, in, whether it is speaking or whatever. Yep. It is that one. Um, there is, even though it was written by some brothers who are not Christ followers at all, not at are all. espousing a completely other uh, view of the world. Are now sisters. <laughs> yeah. The a completely other reality. Yep. Um, but yet the whole concept of you have to get control of your mind. Yeah. And, um, well, the whole, the whole premise behind the matrix was Plato's allegory of the cave that people are facing a wall and there's a fire behind them and all they see are shadows. Right. And then all of a sudden one of them gets free, turns around and goes, Oh wait, the shadows aren't the reality. Mm -hmm. And then they go outside and then they're blinded by the sun and their feet hurt cause they're stepping on grass. And then all of a sudden they're smelling the, the smells and they begin to live in real reality. 
but then they have to go back to the cave and tell the other people who are chained facing the wall. How do you explain that to people who don't even have the same frame of mind and the same reference? It's a fascinating allegory. It is. As a Christian, I go, yes. How do I explain the world to non-Christians when they don't even think the way that I, like not not at all, not just on an individual basis, but on a conceptual basis, that reality points to God. That sounds crazy to them. Yeah. What what does did you get from the Matrix, Jeremy? Anything? Yeah, I mean, the, the free your mind idea, I mean, what we're talking about here, when you see that, to me, I just continually uh, see what Christians do. You know, I, I have what I call my 38 special theology, right? It's the hold on loosely, but don't <laughs> let go. Yeah. Because it's like there we get so dogmatic i think what i've learned you know i'm 45 years old and i think back to what i believed 20 years ago and it's different than what i believe today so i recognize there's growth through the maturing and through deeper relationship with god and i see areas where i was just flat out wrong i see areas where i was incomplete and i assume there are current areas that i don't see that are wrong that are wrong and areas mm-hmm. that are not complete <laughs> that i think are complete so with that mindset you know where it begins is to free your mind get rid of the dogma and focus on the one singular reality you know my my belief is that if we teach everyone to hear the voice of god and obey it yep. that all things will be fine <laughs> like Agreed. that's the answer to all every issue because if you can hear the voice of god he then directs you if you're obeying he will direct you to all that he wants you to know all that he wants you to understand he may call you and say, Hey, I want you not on the phone, but Jesus <laughs> on the main line. Tell <laughs> exactly. him what you want. He, he may say, I want you to enroll at Southwestern. He may say, I want you to move to Nebraska. He may say, I want you to get involved at this local church. Uh, he may say, I want you to go apply for a job at this big church. He, right. whatever. I may want you to go work in the aircraft industry. When we're obeying him, he's putting us on these paths. And I think that in order to do that, we have to have complete and total trust in his provision for our lives and and just him, period, right? So it's like all in, inclusive. And so that's what I see, you know, this moment right at the beginning for Neo is, are you going to follow the white rabbit or not? Mm-hmm. And he has this moment and it's, and he's like, okay, well, I've made a connection, right? I had this prophetic word come across my computer screen mm-hmm. and it says, follow the white rabbit. And I don't know who the white rabbit is. And then I see this little white rabbit on the chick's shoulder. I guess I'm supposed to follow that white rabbit. And, yep. and so much of that first matrix film, especially is following the prophetic in, in terms of Christian walks, you know, it's For like, sure. I'm hearing the voice of God, but it's not certain. It's not like I could, you know, put money down on this and it's a sure thing. No, mm-hmm. it's just this guttural. I know I'm supposed to. Do it. And that's the other thing is very guttural, right? I mean, what's, what's uh, Morpheus say to him? What is this thing you've always known is true? Mm-hmm. This one word. And yep. first time we hear it uttered or uttered, <laughs> uttered <laughs> is when he says, easy Bill Shakespeare. <laughs> He's uttered. Anyway. So no, yeah, that's, I- uh, you know, my things. I think it's great because you watch the rest of the, the series, or at least the, the next two wrapping up the trilogy and Neo is dressed like a priest. Mm-hmm. His costume right. is intentionally based off of like a priestly attire, black, the collar, right. all that kind of stuff, which I think is beautiful. Um, I will defend the original matrix trilogy, not as a perfect film. I will say the matrix is a near perfect film, but mm-hmm. the other two clearly have their problems. Oh, sure. But in terms of story, and the arc and the ideas, oh, yeah. they do a great job of, 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 of passing through, I think, mm-hmm. a lot of the expectations and the philosophy. I think they do a great job with it. Um, the, the part of the Matrix that always gets me 
is when Morpheus looks at Neo and he says, I can only show you the path. Right. Yeah. And as Christians, isn't that really what that we is. do? At the end of the day, I am not responsible for a person's self-discipline. I'm not responsible for uh, accountability to a, to an extent, but at the end of the day, they are responsible for their relationship with God. I may provide every opportunity. I may provide the disciplines, the, the communication, but at the end of the day, we can only show them the path. Right. Mm-hmm. That's it. My favorite part well, in that and may, the oracle. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. Well, no, I was going to say the, well, the I was oracle, thinking the other day. I, <laughs> <laughs> right. The the uh, you know when when uh, Neo comes out and the, she's like, no, you're not the one. And Morpheus, you know, is convinced he's the one. And he said, you know, they're talking about it, and and he says the oracle tells you what you need to hear. And it's it's not a distinction right. of like, you know, everything's going to be congruent with the other people who've met the oracle. No, it's the oracles, again, setting you on a path. And so often in our Christian walk, I think we we get this word. I've seen this happen so many times. A person gets a word 35 years ago, and until that word happens, whatever that is, like you're going to do a tape ministry. (laughs) What happens when tapes are destroyed? And you can't do a tape ministry, but you never did one. So you're just going to keep trying. You're going to bring back eight tracks so you can make sure you follow God's plan. Anyway, so I think that's good. It's a matter of interpretation because we don't live we don't live with what happens in our lives. We live with what we tell ourselves happens. <laughs> That's good. Well, folks, here's what I want you to get from today that I want you to know. Um, and if you've been listening to this podcast, you know, this is deep in, in my heart personally. Um, it is as far as the church that I'm involved in, it is pr- one of our core purposes. And that is that God is always speaking. The question is, are we listening? And he is speaking all the time in so many different ways. Just today, we've talked about books, some of them Christian in nature, some of them not. Uh, We've talked about music, most of it not today. We've talked about movies um, and how that God can speak through those. Uh, I know some of my people that I'm connected with, they couldn't get past all the violence of the matrix. And my, my concept back to them was, but we live in a violent world. And yet inside of the violent world, there is a voice that's speaking and calling. And one of the things that he's calling that I want to leave you with today from the matrix is the idea of the red and the blue pill that Neo had to make a decision. And once he made the decision, there was no going back. He could, he could choose to stay in that pod or he could choose to come out of the pod but he couldn't go back and the bible in john calls christ the light and when you experience the light it will change your life it'll change how you view the world it'll it'll uh, change uh, your focus and your purpose in life and god wants to change your life in such a way that you'll never go back. You'll be completely different. And he wants you to live that kind of a renewed life. And my hope and my prayer for all of you today is that you will just learn to listen for God's voice. Look around in nature, look at at what you're watching on the TV, what you're listening to in your music, and just open yourself up to the voice of God. He's always speaking. And we encourage you to start listening. Well, guys, thanks for being with us today. Uh, Taylor and Jeremy, we will do this again. And thank you, the listener. See you next time on the Renewed You Podcast.